podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome on, welcome on to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And Texas Tech, a fun, thrilling, exciting victory over the West Virginia Mountaineers, 23 to 20. So because of that, I had to bring the whole gang with me, including my right-hand man, Dylan Smythe. What's up, Dill? Just when you thought these guys were, were down and out, Matt Wells, also known as uh, Neil Brown's daddy, is 3-0. and Neil Brown's pappy. Yeah. It's Pappy. Well, well, uh Jeremy Gillen is on with us as well. Jeremy, is uh is Matt Wells really Neil Brown's Pappy? This game had everything, guys. I mean, we had the surge of just over-exploded expectations, over-met expectations. Um, that really patented Texas Tech. This game is gonna be th- this game is over. Uh, and then a completely un-Texas Tech. Uh, of doing what you needed to do to win the football game. So this this game had everything. Way to sidestep the question. I know. I was just about to say. I was just about to say. I like how you totally ignore. Okay, is Dylan water wet? Like what? He's got yeah. no time for this this ridiculousness. He's got no time for basic questions. Jeremy is enough with this foolishness. Okay. Well, so I will say this. Hats off to the coaching staff. I just want to point that out there. We so going into this game. Uh, you start off with the abysmal loss that it was, a five-touchdown schlacking by the Texas Longhorns last week. And you come into this game, Tyler Shutton gets hurt. He's out for this game. Muddy Waters is out for this game as well. He's out for the year. That already is a big hit. Todd Brooks is still out. Didn't play in this game also. And then reports come Saturday morning, people that did not make the flight because they're all in concussion protocol. And that includes Eric Izukama, your star wide receiver, your best offensive lineman, Dawson Deaton, your other starting quarterback in DeMarcus Fields, all not playing in this game. That is a recipe for disaster. And everybody that had any thought of Tech winning this game kind of hung their hat and said, oh, well, you know, it yeah. was nice while well alive. We we thought the game was over at 11 a.m. Uh, most of us did, including myself, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, pretty incredible. To, to, to see that injury list and still come out with the dub, yeah, a lot of credit goes to the coaching staff. And for, for one, being able to just forget about last week and move on, and just to overcome those injuries, especially some of them happening during the game, it's yeah, wild. Yeah, I didn't mean I didn't even get into the game injuries. Uh, Reggie Pearson got hurt in the third quarter after trying to lay the hat down, um, and then also your lead returner Tredarius Townsend also got hurt in one of his returns. It's just it was a mash unit out there, and the fact that Texas Tech was still able to come away with the W is quite impressive. What say you about all these injuries, Jeremy? Uh- Dude, it became comical that, you know, oh, God, another Texas Tech player is down. What is going on? Uh, I felt at a certain point we would just be running a skeleton crew. Like, okay, we're going to have two defenders standing at the end zone. One guy's going to be lined up over center to try to apply pressure, and then we'll just run a three-man defense in total. Uh, let's just try to get out of here uh, with somebody on the team. Uh, it was it, discouraging. Like Dylan said, it felt like at the beginning of the game, it was over. Because we did, you know, we don't have Shuck. Now Columbia impressed last week, but you know you don't have you don't have your leading quarterback, you don't have your leading receiver, you don't have your leading rusher, and you're supposed to go into a hostile environment against a very good West Virginia team and win. 
A very, very good West Virginia, a very good West Virginia defense. I mean, Jeremy, we talked about this before this game in the preview. This this defense is one of the best in the country, in my opinion. Um, and they started this game. We can let's start from the very beginning. Tech went in two drives, two touchdowns. It's fourteen nothing into the end of the first quarter, like it's nothing. After everything we just talked about, going up against a team that has been known to start off hot. West Virginia was plus twenty five in first quarters all year this year. Tech was negative twenty eight. With all the mass units we talked about, Tech was up 14-0, and euphoria ensued. And, and I think... Like what? Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, go ahead, go. No, you go. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked... So we uh, the irony abounds here because we were talking about how, okay, you know, we went on Recipe Voice Kids. We did it on our preview. Okay, something has got to give. You got a team that starts really hot, and you got a team that finishes or has finished really strong. Uh you know, somebody's got to adjust here and become a different team. Well, I think Neil Brown and Matt Wells both took it personally because they know both did the opposite of what they usually do. And we ended up a game where Texas Tech was really exciting at the beginning. And West Virginia became the team that, okay, we can actually uh, we can actually win this thing. And fortunately, ends up shooting themselves in the foot in a number of different ways. But um, this game was just... Uh, it, 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 mind-blowing for a number of reasons and you can think okay this first half was incredibly encouraging going forward you know kind of dial down the matt wells the hot seat for matt wells but in the second half we disappeared and these are the concerns that west virginia fans have had with their team this year is that there's been no nothing present in the second half and now last week i mean you know against west virginia we did the same thing well so i do want to get to one thing or though early in the game you talked about matt wells Early in the game, Matt Wells had a, a Matt Wells-esque blunder, in my opinion. That wide receiver pass by Kalen Geiger that ended up getting intercepted. Oh, I, what was that? Yeah, so that was to me, to me at that point also, with everything going on, it's it's Matt Wells pulls a Matt Wells and says, you know what, I don't think we can beat this team straight up. Let's go in our reaching our bag of trips and throw something out there. Despite the fact the offense was moving you early on. You were driving. The offense was driving early on. I mean, what did you think about that? I... D- you know, I I like we so we joked about you know we got to play you know Cummings going to his effort playbook, um, and that was definitely an effort play. Like let's just see if we can sneak one over the top. But I like that play if it seems like a desperate play where you expect the offense to do something conservative, not when you're driving down the field and there's really no need for it. I don't think that we play that kind of football well, and so the fact that we were beating like we were driving against a, a very very good West Virginia defense doing that was not it was just it was too cute as Rob Bro said it's, it's not a time to play cute football it was a time to put the pedal to the metal and just get a classic football touchdown and we we did not do that and it was just a great pass by Geiger but you know I mean he's not a quarterback <laughs> for a reason he's not a quarterback don't put him so, in that situation. Dylan, what did you think about that first quarter? We had the wide receiver pass that ended, up in an inter- ended in an interception. But after that, two touchdowns to get a 14-0 lead. Yeah, I actually, funny enough, I kind of missed the first couple drives because I was driving to a bar after hearing that, you know, eight players were going to be out. Um, but, yeah, as soon as I got to the bar, it was two easy, easy scores. And then after those two easy scores, to go and, and get one more at the end of the half, like tremendous Tremendous clock management from Matt Wells. You could say that twice in this game, and that might be the first two times that sentence has ever left my mouth. But so credit to him. He managed that game very well. I'll say this because y'all, you were asking. and I, So I was at the game in Morgantown, and we were, we were, we were uh, messaging in our group message uh, during the game. 
And we Jeremy had talked about how Wells was really lucky to get that last field goal off before halftime. One thing I noticed was that the field goal unit, in case something went wrong on that third down, was ready and raring to go. It wasn't a mistake that they were got out there on time. They were very much, I saw Garibay do his last practice field goal right before that third down hike. And right after he did his practice, practice kick, went right to the sideline, ready to go. So the second that pass was caught inbounds, they booked it. And they're ready. I mean, it was, I think it was legit good coaching, good game management, like you said, Dylan, to make sure that everybody was out on the field, plenty of time to kick this field goal. And they were, they actually they were able to do it with a couple seconds to spare. So with that, let's go on to the next half. Texas Tech's up 17-0. Everybody's, we're all happy. Everything's good. I can't believe it. Defense is playing. Defense, we haven't got to defense. Defense has been playing outstanding. They shut out West Virginia in the first half. Um, Colin Schooler's strip sack. Colin Schooler's strip sack. And not only that, but uh, they decide that after Garrett Green was driving on us a little bit, they decided to bring Jared Daggy back in to screw it up and and us get a a turnover on downs, right? We're doing, everything's great. But the problem is, is that another 30 minutes had to be played. West Virginia comes out and does in three drives, Touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And what took Texas Tech 30 minutes to build up was completely undone in less than a quarter. Uh, Dylan, what did you think about that comeback from West Virginia? I mean, I I was surprised that it took them so long to just get something going in this game. I mean, they really had – their offense was nowhere in the first half. So I wasn't surprised to see that they made an adjustment and got something going, but I was surprised to see that all of a sudden our defense that – was whooping uh, West Virginia, gave up 17 in the third. Jeremy, what do you think about that third, third quarter comeback? It was such an incredible – it was such an incredibly different West Virginia team. And for – I mean, Texas Tech fan, okay, this is where the switch – this is where the switch was difficult because we were so strong in the first half. You know, I we had 14 points in the first quarter, and I did not expect us to keep up that momentum. I mean, like we talked about – West Virginia is such a good defensive team. The RPO was working. Uh, they did not have a lot. I mean, we joked about it last pod. They did not have a lot of tape on Columbia to understand what was going to be coming at them. But with the fitting into that RPO scheme, you know, Thompson was playing well. Geiger was playing well. Uh, Fungi was playing well. Columbia was playing well. Like the first quarter was just a dream for Texas Tech fans but against such a good defense. Now, in the second quarter, you know, kind of not disappearing, but not being able to capitalize and like finish drives, getting that field goal before into the half for me was like, okay, here's the momentum going into the second half. What can we do with West Virginia getting the ball first? Because their offense has been pretty stagnant. Like we had been playing pretty good defense and their offense had been stagnant. But Dake comes out with a whole new, whole new moxie because he gets that, he gets that 11 yard pass off to Michael Laughlin at the very, the very first play. And after that, it was just like, Oh, okay. Pass to Lady Brown, 10 yards. Pass to Sam James, 40 yards. Okay. Uh, pass to uh, McLaughlin, five yards. It was just bam, 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 bam. And then, you know, <coughs> Lady Brown, just a simple running for a touchdown. And I thought, uh-oh. West Virginia started to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of momentum here because they do have the tools. It just depends on how well Deggie is playing. Now, we joked about, uh, we actually got had some concerns about Garrett Green in this game who didn't show up as much as he should have. Neil Brown did something. not listen to the pod. Thank God. <laughs> because we, me and Jeremy talked about it. The more Garrett Green played in this game, the less chance Tech had. To, had. Garrett Green had, I think, if I have this correct, six total plays in this game. 
or seven total plays in this game. And that's all he and played. He looked good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for those. It was a daggy day. And that's uh, good. It was a daggy day. And, and it definitely worked out. I, I will say, I think one of the big adjustments that West Virginia made is one, they went down the field more in the second half. In the second half, we saw big plays. That big play to yeah. Sam James was one. Um, and I'm trying to see here. They had another big play uh, during their field goal drive that was tacked on. Uh, or Sorry. They had another big play on their field goal drive that ended up having that Eric Monroe face mask to tack on another 15 yards there. Uh, that play went to Winston Wright. And so they, they just were able to go down the field more in the second half. And that's, I think, one of the big adjustments they had. Also, they dialed up the pressure. Henry Columbia was definitely the old line kind of struggled a little bit in that third quarter. They dialed up the pressure. So what ends up happening is after the first drive down the field, you score a touchdown, you get a quick three and out because you dialed up the pressure against Tech. And what happens, defense is right back out on the field. They're getting gassed. They get that 20 to right touch uh, uh, big play. Eric Monroe gets the face mask. They Luckily, defense held him to a field goal. But what happens next? Once again, Tech gets... Tech gets another three and out. Defense is right back on the field. So they were able to do that, and that's how they got back in the game. They, they made an adjustment of dialing up the pressure and then going down and field on offense, and they were able to get back in the game just like that. How did Tech stop it? Slowing the game down on offense. Right after that, right after the game was tied, a big drive that happened in the fourth quarter was a nice nine play. Yeah, you didn't get all the way down, but you got all the way down to your 11-yard line, and it was a nice, methodical um, – a simple nine play drive to get a field goal. Yes, it was just a field goal, but what happened is you gave your defense rest. So whenever West Virginia was coming down and trying to do the same thing to you, when it was time to really stand firm and make sure they weren't going to get a touchdown, excuse me, when they were, to make sure they didn't, wouldn't get a touchdown, they didn't. Tech defense stood firm, forced a field goal, and now you got a good, nice four minutes to just get three more points. It was, oh, it I was thought you were talking about the four-minute drive this whole time. No, 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 I, I no. no. I was saying, I, I was I'm tracking. I'm tracking. Yeah, yeah. No, they were able to sl- I'm just saying, in the fourth quarter, they were really just able to slow down the game. And because they were able to slow down the game, they gave the defense time to get some breath, to rest, relax, and not be just gunslinging like in the third quarter. Um, and I think that's how they were able to get back in this game, and the defense was able to show up and make big stops when needed. Well, that and West Virginia shooting themselves in the foot. I'm not going to let Neil Brown forget about how it was some incompetencies of his team in a couple of key plays because yeah they so I think on uh they had the uh, touchdown and then they had the field goal and then they had another touchdown and then the field goal to tie it up that last field to tie it up I mean this was West Virginia's touch like that th- this is where uh Letty Brown was standing in the end zone by himself and Daggy just sent it too far. And it was just this was this is an incredibly frustrating play for West Virginia because you have been marching down on Texas Tech, and with Letty Brown playing as well as he was there at the end, it was just it was easy money, and you just nothing. And so then they then they have the field goal. Yeah, some, some West Virginia that, fans were blaming Letty Brown for that drop. It was not really a drop. Daggy just <laughs> it was not a good throw. Almost sounds like Jeremy was here was rooting for West Virginia to win because of something he said <laughs> earlier in the year. No, I don't think so. You know, I <laughs> it should never have came down to this game. It should have never came down to this game. This shouldn't have been a problem. But you know what? Whatever. So my point I mean, is, t- is that. It's a little bit of both. Technically, if West Virginia wins out and goes to the Big 12 Championship, wins that game, and wins their bowl game, Jeremy could still be right. <laughs> have an 11 win. As long as Neil Brown West keeps Garrett Green on the bench, they're not doing it. <laughs> uh, I mean, just it's. I, I agree with Jeremy, though. Some of Neil Brown's decisions, some of Jerry Diggie's play towards the end of this game kind of 
gifted us a win when it really looked like Tech was collapsing at the end. But I think one big thing was also slowing the game down. What what, what to you about the second half, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted it and mentioned it before. Just the ability that we talked about the last four minutes, but the drive before you mentioned it, it really set it up as well. You know, we really just methodically crawled our way down at the end and to uh, to get three at the very end just to kind of put a cap on it was really nice. Uh, a lot of credit to Jonathan Garibay. I mean, Albie, you talked about wanting to see special teams show up a little bit more. Special teams showed up in this game. Garibay showed up. I'm not going to say true. all special true. teams, but Garibay showed up. Uh, and, I mean, Garibay, he's clutch, man. He knows what it is. He knows what time. He's, he'll go out there. I will say the offense uh, helped him getting favorable field goals, right? Like, we didn't have to, we didn't ask him to go out there and get 50 yarders. I think I do want to talk about that last clutch play. And I watched this play about 10 times when I, when I got back home from Morgan uh, uh, Morgantown to see if this was done on purpose or if I, I still can't tell. Oh, Kaylee Geiger's the, catch. Yeah, I, I still don't know if it was a back shoulder or if it was just an underthrown adjustment. If I had to guess, I would say Kalen Geiger made it a fantastic adjustment to the ball, but who knows? Maybe Kalen he was playing Geiger kind of bailed Henry Columbia out there, but you know, <laughs> props for Henry Columbia just saying like, okay, he's over there somewhere and he's probably going to catch it. Let let him do hey, his thing. Throw it up. Let's just do it. Let's just do. It. I mean, it was huge. It was huge. It was a huge play because at that point. Who knows what's still happening? Second and six from Tech's 20-yard line. Yeah, we got three minutes and 36 to go, but we still got to go all the way down to the field. We still got to hit, you know, at least the 25 on, on the other side. We still have at mm-hmm. least however many yards in that aspect. So that play alone was huge. Uh, biggest catch of the day by either team. Uh, and Kalen you know, Geiger stepped up with Ezukan Mount. I, I, I want to contend that with uh, a, a catch that happened a little bit earlier, and it was at the transition from the uh, the third to fourth quarter. Remember, we were kind of driving a little bit there. Second and five. About, talking about the youngin. Hey, here we go. You get Geiger for two yards, and it's third and three. And we could we could have run a play. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my, run the play right now before the quarter ends because you're about to be you're about to have a long break. They're going to get that West Virginia defense going to have a little breather, figure out what's going on. And I said, your next play now has to be an incredibly big play because at this point. Um, you know, West Virginia's got all the momentum. It's fourth quarter in Morgantown. It's third and three. And you you had really good third down conversions at the beginning of the game. You're kind of starting to like feel that West Virginia pressure. Something big's got to happen. And for me, third and three, it was like, okay, you got the guys on the middle. Get a tight end out there um, or something. Nope. Columbia, a 46-yarder great, to Fungi. Great pass to Fungi. Um, let me tell you something. You were right about this, though. The momentum was all on West Virginia's side. The crowd was rocking beginning of the fourth yeah. quarter. They they felt it. They were like, oh, this is our game. They felt it. Me as a Red Raider fan, I felt it. I was like, ah. Yeah, we <laughs> all felt it. Doesn't feel too good. And like, they were definitely pretty hyped. After being pretty deflated in the second quarter, they were definitely pretty hyped. They felt that this game was going to be theirs at that moment. And um, the app, great. Deflated the stadium. Stadium was quiet after that pass. Great throw by Columbia. A great catch by by Fungi, who's starting to show, starting to hear his name a lot more and show how good of a player he is. So let's talk about one guy. Let's let's kind of go into the players and the box score a little bit. Henry Columbia, his first start of the season, first start since last year. Um, good game. I mean, it's not going to really show up too much in the stat sheet. He had no touchdowns, but overall, two hundred sixty six yards off of twenty three completions. 
not to, uh, we've already talked about a few of his big time passes. Um, one thing that I'd say is I kind of wanted him to throw the get a chance to throw the ball down the field more. I, I thought he is listen, we, we heard a lot in the offseason about his improvements. His deep ball, it's been good. I mean, we can uh, the Kalen Geiger adjustment aside, like the, the deep ball has been on it, and he's been really good with those with with uh, um, his play down the field. I always thought, you know, when Matt Wells was we were going to the season, Matt Wells was saying like. Henry Columbia and Tyler Shuck are competing, you know? And I was like, ah, that's just coach talk. You know, we know who our quarterback is. He's just saying that to say that. And now it's like, okay, no, he, Henry Columbia was working. Cause yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's he's looked Columbia. impressive and his confidence, you know, for a, you know, a backup yeah. essentially his confidence is, is impressive. Also remember last year we talked about it, that the players just seem to play better with Columbia versus Alan Bowman. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case here, but the players like playing for Columbia. I'm not saying they like one over the other or anything like that, but the players like playing for Columbia. They like Henry Columbia as a person, as a human. They want to play for that guy, and you can tell it when they play. I mean, it's – it's uh, man, Columbia played really well in this game. Another guy that I want to say that stepped up, and we already said his name five different thousand times already, Kalen Geiger, man. He stepped up in Eric Ezukanma's absence. Uh, was always there. Was really that safety valve for Henry Columbia and put on a show for 82 yards off of seven catches, including that big 42-yard catch. Uh, Jim, what do you think about Geiger? Uh, I do want to say, uh, before we quick transition to Geiger, uh, we said Columbia had to have the best game of his career to get a win in West Virginia. And I think even though he had less passing yards this week and really in no touchdowns, he had no turnovers either, this was the best game of his career. Of his career? Because of, but because of how he managed this game against – I don't think he's ever played a defense like this. I mean, and the, how he played won. this defense last Te- year, but <laughs> technically, <laughs> right? And he won, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won, but he won with good. No, but listen, he won with his. Uh, he won with his. We were down so many people. Is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. No, no, well, no. This I give you this. I give you this. Well, last year, last year he did a lot. Last year as a quarterback, he did a lot more with his legs, right? As a mobile yeah. QB, that was his shtick. To where this year he beat this defense with his arm more than anything, right? I mean, we really actually, they actually, we had our own version of Garrett Green. Donovan Smith made an appearance in this game as our kind of our Wildcat quarterback. We thought that was interesting. I'm not a huge fan of the two quarterback system or the Wildcat quarterback thing, but yeah. it was interesting. Helped us on that first drive, didn't really help us the next time he came out. But um, but the fact that they were <laughs> they now no longer view Columbia as a gadget and view him legitimately as no, we need you for your arm. Is that's mm-hmm. a big difference. I, I I can see what you're saying as far as this might have been might have been his best throwing performance of his career. Um, I don't I don't doubt. I just that. think his best captaining performance, like the way that he captained this team throughout the whole game, through the highs of the first half, and then through the like as soon as it, like a team like West Virginia gains the momentum. I mean, we saw they had to shoot themselves in the foot for us to get this game, and and Columbia did everything he did for those last two drives did everything that he needed to do in order for us to seal this game out. And I think that's huge on the road in a place like Morgantown against a West Virginia defense that is extremely strong. Uh, Passing-wise, yeah, stepped into that role. Didn't didn't really have to rush very much. Just was was in his bag the whole game. Was like, was not, he was not, he was not wavered by the highs and lows of the game. So for me, like, that's that's his best game. You know what, Jeremy? You know what? We're making fun of you here, but this is actually his second highest passing yard total, only only eclipsed by last week's game where he just was throwing the throw because we were losing by five touchdowns. Um, so, I, you know, we, we're, we're making fun of you here, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. This 
actually might actually be his best game he's had of his career. But it's but but I think that's what's impressive about it is that even though it's the best game of his career, it, it did seem like he went above and beyond. It just seemed like that's how he is now as a quarterback. But it's not and his we'll best game statistically. It's his most impressive win. Yeah. So is this Matt Wells' most impressive win? So I, I think Matt Wells' best win so far has been uh, 2019 against Oklahoma State. Went into Oklahoma State, uh, end of the streak. It was a really nice win to start off the Matt Wells era that we thought, oh, maybe this is going to be different. Now, two years later, we don't really know so much. But I will say this. Going into West Virginia with all the injuries we just talked about, all those injuries, and, and being able to beat this West Virginia team that just took Oklahoma to the, to the edge last week in a game that he had to win after the demoralizing loss that was last Saturday, I think – this just might be. Actually, no, I'll say it. This is Matt Wells' most impressive win. Absolutely. With all the injuries and everything in, yeah. in, in consideration, absolutely. No, I mean, no, none of us gave him a chance. We, we, we predicted, or me and you both predicted losses, Jeremy. Um, I mean, we were wrong about literally everything else on that episode. But we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, it's um, October. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, I think this is his most impressive win. Hopefully, it's a sign of things to come. He's got to do it. He's got to do it. I mean, we celebrate this week, but he's got to do it against TCU this weekend. You know, yeah, for sure. So we haven't talked much about the defense, uh, but I do want to get to them because they shut out West Virginia in the first half. And honestly, yeah, the third quarter was pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie about that. It was pretty bad. Uh, but other three quarters only gave up three points total. I thought the defense played really well. We say this guy's name all the time. My defensive player of the game is going to be Colin Schooler. Uh, but obviously, one thing that makes it easier for you to be the player of the game is for you to get the only turnover of the game. Uh, that was huge. That fumble uh, early in the game was fantastic. But he also led the team in tackles, 15 tackles, and he was another guy that was virtually everywhere. Really held Letty Brown. Um, anytime you saw Letty Brown stuff at the line, Colin Schooler was somewhere around. I had a really good game. Colin Schooler might finish in the top 25 in career tackles <laughs> in college football. And career tackles for loss, top twenty-five in that category as well. What a dude! Like that's been Matt Wells' pro- best pickup since he's been here. Adding Colin Schooler, he's been a game changer since the day he got on the field for us. I mean, geez, fifteen tackles—that's a lot in a game. <laughs> a lot, and also we had a tag team. Everywhere. He had a tag team duel. Rico Jeffers is another guy that was everywhere, both. Uh, at the line and also defending. I mean, I think Rico did a really good job of making sure there wasn't a lot of catches in the middle. That's one thing the Tech has struggled in previously is that the linebackers have given up a lot of slant routes, a lot of crossing routes. This game, we didn't really see that too much. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with Rico's Rico's pressure and Rico just being a, a hoss right there in the middle. I thought he played great as well. Yeah, we talked about... Um... We talked about this linebacking core being, in our opinion, one of the best, uh, certainly in the conference, but, you know, one of the most competitive in, in the nation as a whole. Like, I think the announcers that we had uh, in Golik and the other guy, I think they also kind of acknowledged that because of how prominent that they were playing in this game. Like when we were out, you know, first, second and fourth quarter, it was these guys all over the place making plays, getting the team up. And like is Texas Tech defense, which has been the butt of a lot of jokes for a long time now, um, you know, went into a hostile territory and took care of business when they had to. So feels good. Feels good. What was a, a necessary performance by them? Um, and I'm just honestly, I'm just glad. I think what they put up when necessary, especially in that fourth quarter, to hold West Virginia to a field goal when we were only up three, I thought was the most impressive thing they'd done uh, all game. It was incredible. Uh, so 
I already said my defensive player of the game. Who do y'all have for defensive player of the game? Uh, Dylan, I'll, you go first. Colin Schooler. I mean, yeah. Shout out to Jalen Hutchings for a monster of a sack, but Colin Schooler. You got anybody else for us, Jeremy? I don't know how else you. I don't know how you could pick anybody else. Fifteen tackles, a sack, tackle for loss. He's hurt. He's he's on Deggy's throat every play. It was great. It was it was. You can't top the way he played. Y'all are unimaginative. Un- unimaginative. Right. You know. I can, can spin. Some, I got a good one. Let me spin some BS for you. I got a good right, one. Well, on give, give, me, for you. give me give me the offensive player of the game. Jonathan Garibay. He's <laughs> special teams, Dylan. Damn it. We don't do oh, special well, teams player of the game, and he scored nine points. So, boom. That's fair. Points That's on fair. the board. All right, Jer- Jeremy, who do you have? You know, um, okay, let me. <laughs> it's not Garibay, that's for sure. Um, not anymore. This man, this man has gone through some adversity in the offseason. He had to sit out a first couple of games this year, and we weren't too sure how he was looking. He's played a couple of he's played a couple here and there when he's come back. Uh in this game, you know, Taj Brooks out, Xavier White, maybe, you know, we didn't want him to be this number two guy. Uh and so Roger Thompson kind of here and there throughout the game. But at the end of the game, when I said, Oh my God, we could do this if we have a long, if we have a good drive here at the end and kick a field goal, we might be able to do this thing. And who shows up in the last drive of the game when everybody's starting to get tired, whose engine turns on? It is Sir Roderick Thompson. What, I mean, the tremendous last drive that he had with multiple with multiple plays over 10 yards, setting up for a good field goal position there at the end for Garibay. Dylan's pick uh, to make the game-winning field goal. I, I think Sir Roderick Thompson showed up in a big way uh, when it mattered the absolute most for us to get out of there with a win and be 4-1. Fantastic picks. I mean, Roger Thompson played great in this game. Jonathan Garibay hit a game-winning field goal. I mean, that's you guys. Y'all have done your homework. Absolutely fantastic picks. I'm proud of the <laughs> both of you. Whatever. Um, but Henry Columbia is the offense player. Come on, guys. He's his first start of the season. <laughs> 266 yards. Absolute control overall in the entire game. It is incredibly impressive. Enough to. I mean, Henry Columbia. If he keeps this up, keeps playing the way you're playing. Uh, who knows? I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, and he's already proven just how much he he has improved. All those naysayers that were talking mess about him in the offseason said enough of what, with all that. I'm here and I'm here to stay. He has great hair flowing in the wind. Yo, shout out to Henry Columbia. He's my offensive player of the game for sure. You know, not only was he, you know, counted out like after last season, after the Texas game, people, despite him playing well against Texas, were calling for Donovan Smith and Baron Morton. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's oh those are all oh, those are just fluke passes. I mean, all that. I mean, it's garbage time. We were already losing. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, oh sure. Texas still had all their you know five star defenders out there, but ah, you know, it's West Virginia's a much better defense anyway. You know, ah, he's not gonna be able to do that again. Oh, except he went out and did it again, right? He's Henry Columbia played a fantastic game, um, and I'm expecting big things this upcoming week against TCU. I, I think he's a uh, He's here to stay. But I will say teams are going to know a little bit more about the new Columbia. They're going to have tape on the new Columbia. They're going to have a game and a half of the new Columbia. So we'll see what the uh, mastermind that is Gary Patterson has in store for him this upcoming week. So anything else you want to say to the people, Dylan? Mm, Apparently I've got nothing. Um, If you want to sponsor the Tortillas It Takes podcast, uh, we're not on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Get in those DMs. 
Let's uh, we'll we'll do something good for you. It do go down in the DMs. Uh, so yeah, any Sli- sponsorships we're in. taking, we're taking any and all sponsorships. We have a lot of friends of the pod. I met a lot of the friends of the pod this past weekend, so it shall be should be good stuff. Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? You were hanging out with the Texas Tech Prez, Albie. I was. Good guy. Pretty good guy. Pretty. He's even much happier. Uh, four hours after I met him, I'm sure. Oh but. yeah. Weren't we all? Um, yeah, last thing I got to say is the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders are 4-1. and one. So that's pretty good. I mean, we're Albie, we're right there. Yo, okay, so actually, I'm glad you brought this up. Before we end this episode, I, I, <laughs> I, I meant to say this, and I, I forgot about this. So here's the thing. I just want to point this out there. Like, <clears throat> Matt Wells is not my favorite head coach. I, I, he's no, not. I, I, I didn't like him. You know, to when he got hired, I get all that. I get the last week's game against Texas was demoralized. I get all that. I mean, Jeremy's the resident optimist, and he was fed up. I was I broke. At the end of the day, Texas Tech is 4-1. and one. We are 4-1. and one. When we had our season preview beforehand, I said that Tech needed to win, or what was going to win, one of this three-game stretch between at Texas, at West Virginia, and home against TCU. And we've done that. We've won one of the three. We might even win two of the three, depending on what happens this upcoming weekend. Tech is still on course to at least be bowl eligible. I, I just, that's right, as of right now, there's really no reason why Tech – won't be at least bowl eligible towards the end of the year, right? Let's let's can we just enjoy this? Can we just go out and watch the team without every week it being a moratorium on how good or bad Matt Wells is? And I'm talking about on both sides, right? If Matt Wells puts up a stinker, that doesn't mean he automatically gets fired. Now Texas withstanding, that was a really bad loss. I get that. But if he pulls up a stinker, it doesn't mean automatically means he should be fired. If we win a game, it doesn't automatically mean that he needs a lifetime contract. There is a middle ground for us just to watch the team. And be happy. If we go six and six, seven and five this week, year or this year, he's gonna get another year, whether you like it or not. So just watch the team. Like I, it's it's getting a little ridiculous. We will be here if it's time to fire. I promise you. But like, just watch the team and and enjoy it when you while you can. But like, it doesn't have to be every week a referendum on Matt Wells the the coach. It just it's I'm getting exhausted, and it's only week what five. Yeah, some of y'all are spoiled. We haven't been to a bowl game since 2017. If we can get we can get six wins this year, that's a that's a good step in the right direction. I won't like it, but I promise you, I'm not gonna go on tirades and and long Twitter threads like everybody mm. else in the world wants to do. And like there are tech fans rooting against tech just so they can be right. That's ridiculous. That is Ain't ridiculous. no tech fan of mine. Oh my god! So just guys, guys, let's just chill. Relax. This was a good win. Really good win against a very good defense. Again, I want to say that very good defense with half the team injured. Half of our best players were out. This was a good win. Be be happy. Lord Jesus, be happy. All right, that's all I got. So, let me get off my soapbox. We have TCU next week. uh, So, be prepared for that at the end of the week when we do our preview pod against TCU. Also, the Big 12 recap and preview will be done also later this week. So, be on the lookout for that. We're here, baby. So uh, uh, make sure we're not going to jinx any more tech teams. That is it. We're, we're, we're off that. We're off that. You so. don't get to choose that, Albie. It uh, chooses you. I guess so. Well, for uh, for Jeremy and our producer extraordinaire, that is Dylan Smythe. This is Albie Shore. You've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.